Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. You grab your Bibles with me today. We are going to read from 3 John, 3 John chapter 3, reading verse 1 uh, through 4, verse uh, 3 John, and uh, did I say 3 John? 1 John chapter 3. Amen. That is not right. I had it. Uh, I don't know how I missed this. I think it's just Third John one through four is what it is. Excuse me. It is chapter. I did have it right the first time. It's chapter one and the only chapter. Um, Third John, which is just one chapter, verse one. It says, "The elder unto the well beloved Gaius." whom I love in the truth. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. Everybody say prosper. And be in health, even as thy soul, what? Amen. How many want to prosper? And we want that. We want that for those that we love. We want them to prosper. And we also want them to be in health. He said, verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly. When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He said, I, I, I just, I'm so excited about what I've heard about you. And that's what he's saying. I rejoice greatly uh, because you walk in the truth. And in verse 4, he makes this statement. And we apply it to, to biological family. Uh, but he's talking about spiritual family. Sons in the gospel necessarily weren't necessarily biological children. But... I think it still applies. He said, I have no greater joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Uh, that, everybody say no greater joy. Uh, there's no greater joy than to know that your children walk in the truth. Amen. How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? There's no, everybody say no greater joy. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. I have... Uh, this is the fifth week, and we have one more week on this, um, and talking about uh, the family. And uh, I want a strong family. There was a man one time, he made a statement, he wanted, he wanted to change the world. Um, he wanted to change the world. And so his ministry throughout was seeking to change the world. And as he got closer to his elder age, he realized he didn't have a whole lot of time to change the world and he had not changed the world. And so he decided that he would change his region and uh, uh, he spent time trying to change his region and, and wasn't seemingly able to do that. Then he moved forward and he realized, I don't have time to change the region, I'll change the city that, that I'm in. And he started trying to change the city and didn't do that. And, he realized time shorter and shorter, and I'm, I'm going to try to change my family. And uh, he tried to change his family, but was running out of time. And at the end, he said, I, I need to try to fix me. And uh, when he fixed him, he realized, if I would have just fixed me, I could have fixed the family, which could have fixed the city, which could have fixed the region that could have changed the world. And I think that every great revival starts not with others, but you. 
It's you. You've got to let God impact you. And so instead of trying to impact out here, you've got to impact here first. And every great revival started small, started in the prayer meeting. And every great revival started in the home. Matter of fact, the church that you're in that we are celebrating 80 years this year. I think we ought to clap our hands and thank God for that. It started in a home prayer meeting with the Gladman family. It was just a prayer meeting. And after about 30 people had gathered into that home for prayer, she realized, uh, Sister Gladman realized she wasn't a pastor. And so she sent Brother uh, Frush in Newark and said, we need a pastor. And he sent them down a hardworking man by the name of Guy Smith who had a call of God on his life. And he came down and started ministering to that small prayer meeting and it went from um, uh, Beaumont Street down to Monroe Street and uh, ended up on Marietta Street and now here we are in Chamberlain. And God has been good because of what happened in a small circle. It's still the same way. And I think if we're not careful, we, we, we will look at a big picture and forget that it always starts out very, very, very small. What would happen if prayer meetings would break out in our home? And so um, somebody say the home. So I've, I've talked a lot about Hannah and uh, Hannah's desire to have a child. And when she got news she was going to have a child, she started rejoicing. The Bible says she worshipped. And, and when she worshipped, she was so excited. She's going to have a, that, that, she was told she's going to have a baby. And it wasn't long. A year later, she had a, a baby boy. Sister uh, 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 Lauren stand up with that baby. And it wasn't long. And here she is. She's, she's got a baby with a bottle. Amen. And a little boy, little boy, I was up here praying last night, and I turned around looking. He had crawled up there beside me. He was kneeling down praying beside me. And uh, I looked over, and I said, you want to pray? He said, boom, boom. <laughs> he knew she wouldn't take him to the drums, so he wanted me to take him to the drums. That's what he wanted. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and thank God for young kids. And I was thinking, Brother Cody was announcing that was, we had our parent uh, orientation for ACA on Friday, and he got them talked about how he forgot his kids at the church the other day. And matter of fact, Lawson came up to me and said, have you seen my parents? And, um, and uh, I, so I, and my wife was standing there, but they had, had a miscommunication, lost them. I thought, if you're going to lose them, you ought to lose them in the house of God. Can you say amen? If you're going to lose them, I ought to be here. Uh, but what you'll find, I've talked about Hannah. Hannah made a vow to God. She said, if you'll give me a man child, if you give me a boy, I will, lean, I will loan him to you all the days of his life. And, and so she has this baby boy, and she's weaned him now, uh, and he's at the age to be able to be brought back. And when her husband, that would leave her every year and go to the house of God. I, I want to talk a little bit about the dad today. Uh, I want to talk not just, I've talked a lot about Hannah, but let me talk about Elkanah, the husband. Uh, things weren't good at the house of God. Shiloh was a mess. That, that was a city uh, where the tabernacle was and Eli and his sons and there, were, there was a lot of chaos that was going on in Shiloh and I talked uh, uh, last week a little bit about there was no open vision the word of God was precious and the lamp of God went out how many remember me talking about that it was not a great place it was a dying church it was people didn't even want to come and give their offerings they, or sacrifice they didn't want to come to the house of God because there was such hypocrisy there uh, but amazingly, this, this man, in the midst of chaos, he stayed consistent. 
there was something about him that did not look at shallow as shallow, but he kept going out of his routine to the Lord. And, uh, and his, even though the church was imperfect and the leadership, there was chaos, he did it unto God and not unto man. I would say to every dad in the room, I would say to every person in the room, your service to the church is not to the church, it's to the Lord. There are going to be times that the music is off. There are going to be times I might have a bad attitude every now and then. I don't know. Get up here and if I preach grouchy one Sunday, just come back the next week, I'll probably be better. And uh, some of you are thinking, boy, he sounds grouchy last Sunday. I don't know. I'm, I'm teasing. But the, you, you, this is not about me. This is not about the pastoral team. This is about him. And I, I'm going to word it this way. You're going to have bad weeks. You're going to have bad days. And what you've got to do is say, I'm not going for me. I'm going for him. It doesn't matter how I feel, how my week has been. I'm going to worship the Lord. Come on. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. That includes the preacher, that includes the staff, that includes yourself. But we're not here because we're good. We're here because he's good, amen. That's why we come, because he's been good to me. People have failed me, amen. Things have failed me, but he's never failed me yet. Praise God. Now my commitment to you is that we will be holy. My commitment to you, we will have a righteous team. My commitment to you is we will follow the word of the Lord and preach truth. We're not gonna compromise that. And, and I've been here 18 years. I still believe right now what I believe when I first came. I haven't wavered on doctrine. And, and I believe what I believe and it's what I'm gonna preach until the Lord comes. Can you say amen? We believe in righteousness and purity. But what I'm saying in, the, in, in this, and I'm not degrading the church, I'm not degrading the house of the Lord. One thing about the anchor, we're not slipping away from truth. In a day and time when things are slipping away from truth, compromise is everywhere. How many know that? I'm not saying the church is that, but what I'm saying is they'll kind of, he somehow kept faithful when things weren't faithful. He somehow kept focused when things that they should have been able to look up to weren't doing what they should. He was able to look past it and bring his offerings, his worship, his praise to the Lord. Amen. Somebody say he was faithful. I would go as far to say that the shallow represented worship to God, uh, it, my, my service to the Lord. It's where they would bring their work, what they, would, they, what they worked all year for. They'd bring their tithes, their offerings, and their, their 10%, and they would give it to the Lord as saying, God has been good to me. He never stopped praising God in a day of chaos. And I want to say to every one of you that don't, don't get so caught up in Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and, and Facebook conspiracies and, and, and all these things that you have a negative demeanor and how bad things are. Oh, no. You've got to come to the house of God and say, it's going to be all right. God is in control. Come on, if politics don't go the way you want them and you sit back and say, I don't know what God, oh, don't do that. No, God is in control. Isaiah saw, said, I saw one sitting upon the throne who is high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I'm preaching to you on this Sunday morning. Amen. Shout hallelujah anyhow. God's gonna make a way for my wife. He's gonna wake, make a way for my children. He's gonna make a way for the church. He's gonna make a way for the kids. Woo! Somebody shout hallelujah! And so you'll find in the midst of adversity, the, the father kept going. He, he looks at his wife and she said, honey, I can't go until the baby's weaned. I'm gonna stay back. I'm gonna stay. Everybody say Rama. 
means a hill. He said, I, that's where they, that's where he, more than likely he would have been conceived. And that's where it's certainly that they were raised. Uh, raised Samuel. That's where they lived was a town called Ramah. And Elkanah there, year after year after year, was there with his family. She said, until he's weaned, I'm not going to make that pilgrimage with a little baby. Everybody has little kids understands why we wouldn't make a far journey. Are y'all with me? They didn't even have rest areas on the side of the road. They, they didn't have. They had to make this long pilgrimage. Uh, I, I took my girls one time, an eight-hour trip. The, God loves me. Uh, they went, I was preaching, I took the girls with me, and uh, uh, I'm convinced that women have smaller bladders than men. I traveled single evangelizing for a long time, and it changed when I got married. We, we found more rest areas. Are y'all with me right now? That, that might not mean anything to you, but when I have, a, uh, when I have a public restroom phobias, When we stop, I make the kids take their shoes off when they get into the van because of what they've had to walk through, and I don't want that tracked in my van. Now, I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm just, that's just me. That's just who I am. And, and uh, I knew it was a miracle because we made an eight-hour trip and didn't have to stop at the restroom once. I said, God has been good to me. Amen. <laughs> God has been good to me. She said, I don't want to make that pilgrimage. She said, but when he's weaned, when we go, I'm going to... We're going to leave him there. And uh, she leaves him. And what I preached probably two or three weeks that she didn't leave him with tears and begrudgingly. She was thankful to give him to the Lord because she knew this is of the Lord. And when she left that day, she left singing and rejoicing. And Samuel, the Bible says, worshiped the Lord. He worshiped like she did. Um, at the end of her song in chapter um, Chapter 2, if you'll turn there. At the end of her song, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and let's just read verse 10. This is the end of Hannah's song of worshiping. Amen. Was that Cohen? The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Somebody say that. Say amen. Do you believe that? Everything formed against you is not going to prosper. She was so excited. Out of heaven shall, shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Verse 11 says, And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house. While he's at his house, Samuel's at Shiloh. Well, Elkanah's at Ramah. Samuel's at Shiloh, where the house of the Lord. And the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Um, everybody say he went to Ramah. Um, he didn't stay at Shiloh. He left his son at Shiloh, but he went to Ramah. And uh, I just want you to understand something because later you're going to find that, that Samuel, this Samuel, uh, let's, let's look at the end of chapter 3. Out of chaos, God starts speaking to him. At Shiloh, Samuel learned the voice of God. He began knowing the Lord. He didn't know the Lord before Shiloh. He worshiped, he, he, he served the Lord, he did things under the Lord, but he did not know the Lord. What does that mean? He didn't have a relationship with God. The only way he knew the Lord was that his mother and father knew the Lord. Are y'all with me? 
Everything he did was according to their relationship with the Lord. So he was only mirroring what he saw them. He believed in the Lord because mom and dad believed in the Lord. And he worshipped the same way mom worshipped. I remember the first time I danced in church. I grew up sitting beside my grandmother. Uh, Her name was Bertha Johnson. We called her Mimi. And uh, I, I sat in the second row, Noah. I sat in the second row. And uh, my grandmother sat right on the edge of the seat right here with her big hair that my mom would fix every Saturday. Uh, we should have had stock in the hairspray company. She had real big white hair. She was about 90-some pounds. And uh, she sat right here. I sat right there. My mom sat right there. And uh, if I wasn't paying attention, my mom reached up and flicked me around the ear. That's why my ears stick out a little bit. They, and uh, she'd flick me on the ear. I remember that. But my grandmother, my grandmother, when she would worship, she was very exuberant in her worshiping. She come from a church that my mother said that the most excitement she had ever seen was one time the preacher got excited when he was preaching. He started tapping his toes like that. That was the most excitement of emotion she had ever seen in a church service. And, and, uh, but my grandmother was known as the teenage dancing grandma. Every Friday night, my mom, and it was an innocent type of community dance, but... My grandmother would go there and dance with them. She could outdance all the teenagers. She loved to dance. And when she came into the church and uh, they found Pentecostal people where you could actually dance in church, it was, it was a great connection for Mimi Johnson. When she saw the verse, dance before the Lord. But I remember sitting beside her and when the spirit of the Lord would start moving. How many know there's nothing like it? She began to express God the way she felt to express herself to the Lord. Everybody expresses different. Not everybody's a dancer. You're not going to leap. You might not run like my wife does. My, my wife will run in church sometimes because the doctor said she'll never be able to run again. When she starts getting thankful, she'll run before the Lord. My grandfather on my dad's side would skip. Glory, 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 he would do. And, and, but the Bible does say clap your hands all you people and shout with a voice of triumph. Not everybody's going to dance like me, shout like me, worship like me. But, but you are going to do something the way your family does it, your personality. But I do think everybody in the church when the Lord moves should be emotional. Everybody should get emotional. There ought to be a tear, a hand raised, clapping of the hand. Every now and then just, man, that's good. Come on. I mean, you should be more excited about God than you are your food. Oh, you foodies in the room. But uh, you should be excited about God. Can you say amen? And uh, I'll never forget that my grandmother, the way she had danced, and she sounded like a pressure cooker going off. And woo, ah! she would get, she'd get out in the house, she'd woo. That's how she'd dance. I'm not making fun of her. It was very powerful. Every time she would do it, you could feel the gush of the glory of God coming over her. Now, people might have thought it was funny, you know, and, but be careful. Don't ever mock in a negative demeanor the worship of somebody because Michael did that with David and her womb was cursed. You, she was not fruitful. What I'm saying to you is, is praise is comely. Praise, it's unto the Lord. I do this unto God. I'm not doing this because it looks good. I'm not practicing my moves before I get to church. Are y'all with me? Oh, no, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. 
And I'll never forget, I was about 11 years old, I think I was, and I was at a youth camp, and Brenda McBride is leading, and she was a very spiritual lady and leading the camp choir. And we were just in choir practice. And now she began to lead. She started worshiping. You feel the presence of God come in that room. And I felt like God said to me, just worship from my heart. And I, I was in that moment, I was alone. With, I was there, the, the, the West Virginia has the highest platform in youth camp history. I mean, it's real high. I mean, the platform is, is probably that high in the air and the camp choir's up there. And I, I go to worship and I start, you know, you start picturing what you're gonna do before you do it. And when I started like running the aisles or jumping up and down or shouting, I'll never forget when I closed my eyes, started worship and I said to myself, oh no, I'll do anything but that. That's what I thought. Because I pictured myself dancing like Mimi Johnson did, who I grew up sitting beside. And I remember, I felt like the Lord said, are you here for me or are you here for others? And something come over me and I did what Mimi Johnson did. I worshiped what I set, well, I emulated what I had set beside all those years in church. I emulated that. Not intentionally, it just happened organically. I did what grandma did. And I just, whoa, I started shuffling my feet. I got lost in the spirit. When I came to, I was on the other end. I was out of the choir loft, on, down on the platform, on the edge of the platform. When I came to, I didn't even know how I got there, but I had got translated, moved, or lost in the spirit. And God had touched me mightily. And when I got out of that was a touch of the Lord. That's what Samuel was. Samuel was worshiping the way mama worshiped. Samuel was worshiping the way mama worshiped. And what you're gonna find is that his relationship with God was based upon his relationship with those that were over him and around him. That's why it's very important as parents to keep your attitude in check, to keep your perception of God in check, to not let your mouth say things that are not comely to the Lord. Like, I don't even know if God hears my prayer. I, I just don't even know if God cares about us. If you get that demeanor, it's gonna get in your kids. You can't do that. You gotta say, let the fruit of my lips honor him. I will bless the Lord at all times, amen. Oh, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And when hard times come, you don't have to say, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but God's gonna make a way where there is no way. You gotta make a joyful noise when it looks like there's nothing on the way. In the midst of chaos, she believed. And in the midst of chaos, Elkanah was faithful. And the Bible tells us in chapter three, it says, verse 19, and Samuel grew. Everybody say, Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. I believe the words of his parents were consistent and that's why the words of Samuel became consistent now knowing the Lord and he became a prophet and all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was what? Established to be a prophet of the Lord and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Samuel came to know the Lord in Shiloh, but he served the Lord from Ramah. What do you mean? I'm saying it was in the house of God that is where he heard the voice of God and God revealed to him a personal relationship. 
But when he got to Shiloh as a young man, he worshiped and served because of his parents' relationship with God, not his personal relationship with God. My children are going to have a relationship with God first by my relationship with God. They're going to come to church because I want to come to church. They're going to want to be involved because I want to be involved. They're going to want to be faithful because I am faithful. And I make a commitment to you that we want to have a church where young people want to be in the house of God. Can you say amen? Now, now let's move on because there's something else that takes place here. In chapter 7 and verse 17, let's look what it says. Let's start with verse 15. And uh, this is... This is 25 plus years later that it talks about Samuel. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And um, not just 25 years, but, but this, this gives a synopsis of, of what, what happened with him. And it says, and he went from year to year in circuit uh, to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and judged Israel and all what? He judged Israel in all those places. Matter of fact, when he shows up a few chapters later at Jesse's house, this is what they said to, to him. Do you come in peace? Because they knew whatever he said from the Lord would come to pass. Uh, can I tell you today that prophets are not always prosperity prophets? Sometimes they show up in camel's fur and their diet is a little different, locusts and honey. And they show up with judgment and they say, you bunch of vipers! We know him as John the Baptist. Repent! We need that. I've been praying for God to raise up prophets to show up the churches uninvited. Are y'all hearing me? That gets us in alignment. I'd rather have a prophet to get me in alignment than one tell me I'm doing good when I'm not. Know them that labor among you. Just because somebody spiritual says you're good doesn't mean you're okay. Come on now. I've seen them pull people out living in sin and prophesy over them. That's not the will of God. Prophesy blessing over somebody's not, oh no, I'd rather have somebody that gets me in alignment with the Lord. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations in my heart be acceptable. If I'm not where I need to be, God send me a prophet. Send me a man of God. Let there be an amen here today. And he would show up and he was a prophet in those days and he would speak to them. And I, I want you to say, thank God for a prophet. You know what a prophet does? A prophet shows up and tells you what God's going to do. And sometimes they show up like Jonah and says, God's bringing judgment to this nation, Nineveh. You think it's easy for a prophet to say, God's going to kill all of you? God's bringing judgment? Oh, no, not easy. But sometimes God brings the prophet because if he speaks what he's going to do in judgment, he realizes that mercy's following that word. Link arms with your neighbor. And remember this. That mercy and truth come together. Everybody say mercy and truth. The truth is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The, the truth is that your sins are going to find you out. You're going to be lost because of your sin, but when mercy comes in the room, you're going to be... Uh, uh, Michael and, and Kate, stand up, hand, hand, hand a scarlet over for, for a minute. Michael's going to be truth... And Kate's going to be mercy. They're, they're together. When they walk into the door, uh, go, go out the door. Let me teach you something about mercy and truth. 
Truth holds the door for mercy to come in. So truth holds the door for mercy to come in. When truth gets in the room, if God sends you a preacher and said, let me tell you what God's going to do if you don't straighten up. This is what God says. He's bringing judgment to your life. You know what that is? It's an act of mercy. I'm going to tell you what true judgment is, is when no prophet comes in your world and can't get a word for you. When God shuts the mouth of the preacher, it's true judgment. Are y'all hearing me today? And when Samuel came in, when he came in, the people started going. My dad said there was an old prophet by the name of Lloyd Garlitz. When he'd come in, you, they'd announce Lloyd Garlitz was the preacher coming in. And he was a prophet of the Lord. When he'd come in, you'd live real good for two weeks because you're afraid he's going to call you out. When he'd point that hand like this, everybody duck, hoping he'd get the neighbor and not them. They would. I mean, they'd, they'd call him out and say, I mean, that old prophet walked up to a man one time and he said, uh, he walked up to a man one time and he said, uh, uh, he said, you know where there's a house that has green lattice on the porch? And that man said, yeah, that's my brother's house. He said, the Lord said, pack your bags up and leave and leave his wife alone or he's going to kill you. He said, but, but preacher, uh, she seduces me and went down the line. He said, I said, pack your bags up and leave or your brother's going to kill you. And uh, come to find out, they were having the affair on the green porch that had a green lattice on it. That's where they would go have the affair. And God let the preacher see what was in their life. And when the preacher came in his life, it was giving him an opportunity to repent and get it right. We don't need just somebody dissecting the word of God. We need somebody that knows where we're at to get us where we need to go. That was Samuel. Brother Michael, when Lloyd Garland stayed in those, that little coal mining town in West Virginia, when he was there years ago, there wasn't hotels around. We didn't have restaurants. The saints would cook the meals and the preachers would stay in the saints' homes. That's the way it was back then. They didn't have restaurants like Zanesville. They didn't have hotels anywhere around. They would stay in the saints' home. They said when you, when you went to his house, you had to watch, when, 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 when he stayed at your house, you had to watch where you would walk at night because he'd pray all night long. He would be laying in the living room floor seeking the face of God for that church. You know what we need? We need an old-fashioned revival where Samuels was raised up among us. I believe, come on, I believe they're in your home. I believe they're in your house. Do you believe that? I believe we've got mighty men of God that are riding bicycles and eating ice cream and doing homework. I believe that, but somebody's got to see the vision. God's going to use my children for the kingdom of God. Is there anybody that wants that? Stand to your feet, clap your hands and say, I want God to use my children. I want great convictions. I want great convictions to come over them. Woo! God's going to bring great conviction to us. And this end time revival is going to be such a fear of God. I believe in the near future, God's going to send a prophet. We're going to have a long revival in this church. And I realize we've taken Sunday nights off, but there's going to be a long revival. If I call a revival for the next four Sunday nights, seven days a week, I want us to show up and come because God has sent us a prophet. Do you believe that? Amen. I got a prophet that the Lord has said, has already told him that he's got a word for this church. How many want to be a part of that? We're in the process of finding the will of God and the timing of that.
Amen. Just stand for a minute. Just stand for a minute. Everybody say convictions. Those old time prophets. Lloyd Garlitz, if you had a Christmas play on your platform, he wouldn't come to your church. Because he didn't believe anything should be theatrical. He had convictions. Everybody say convictions. It's right to have convictions. Be careful to mock people's convictions. Can you say man? I, I close on this because Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He judged in these certain places. Verse 17 says, and his return was to Ramah. For there was his what? Everybody say he went to Ramah. He returned to Ramah. For there was his house. And there he judged Israel. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. Chapter 25 says that when Samuel died, they buried him in his house. Why? Why do they bury him in his house? Probably means right there on his yard or in his property. He judged Israel from his home, not Shiloh. Why? Because I personally believe that his dad and mom showed him how to have an altar in the home. Did y'all hear, hear me? If he worshiped like mom, it appears to me he prayed like dad. Because Elkanah went home to Ramah. And at some point, Samuel went home to Ramah and to build an altar in his house. And I say to you today that there's no greater joy. Not just our children know the truth, but walk in it. Their conduct and their lifestyle is like us. Nothing more than I want to see my children your children, sons of the gospel, people here, walk in the truth that God has given us. How many believe it's going to happen? Now I want you to shout that there's going to be a great return. And Samuel returned to his house. The Holy Ghost is going to come in here in the next few moments because there's people that have been at Shiloh, there's people that have been away, but God's about to bring a great return to Ramah. And if you, will, if you will allow the altar to be built at Ramah and have a visitation at Shiloh, that your habitation ought to be at Ramah. <laughs> For he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you believe that? There's a dwelling place. Everybody say, build the altar in the home and visit Shiloh. He returned to Shiloh, or returned to Ramah because that's where the stability was, is the daily walk with God. And God's calling this congregation to an old-fashioned revival in the home. And that's where we're going to see no greater joy is when the children walk out of the altar that's in our house. Would you lift your hands right now? Thank God for Sundays. Thank God for the anchor. Thank God for prayer meetings and evangelists and prophets. Samuel's coming home. He's coming home, building an altar. Come on, that's it all over this building. I'm going to build, a, I'm going to build an altar in my house. <laughs> the lifeline's not just going to be Sundays and Wednesdays. It's going to be daily prayer meetings and righteous living. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. You can kneel and pray. And, and, and whatever you feel, this we're going to turn this entire place to an altar right now.
And uh, we'll start praise and worship, family worship service at 11 o'clock. But I think it'd be good if you responded to the word of the Lord here. They're gonna, they'll turn on some prayer music that we had last night. You'll do that. I want us to all begin to pray for no greater joy. Samuel's coming home. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.